Hello, everyone. Pastor Terry here. Hey, welcome to our Sunday service. And uh, this is our Sunday service. I'm looking at the date here. It's uh, uh, May 17th, 2020. And uh, hey, we're going to be having our first service back in our building in just a couple of weeks. Uh, I believe it's the last Sunday in May. And uh, I tell you what, I am looking forward to seeing you all again in person. And it's going to be an exciting and wonderful time. And uh, hey, keep that all in prayer. And I trust everything will go well. And uh, uh, like, like I said, I can't wait to see you all in person. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a good day. Okay. And also, too, uh, since this is our Sunday service, you know, uh, we'll be receiving tithes and offerings now. And I want to commend all of you for your faithfulness in uh, continuing to support Summit Church and tithes and offerings. You know, we've been reaching a lot of people uh, through these virtual services and these these messages. And uh, I'm just excited about, uh, uh, I'm excited about that. And so, uh, uh, so, so, so we're doing that. We're continuing to support world missions. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I want to, uh, pr- tell you that I appreciate your, your faithfulness and your, in your giving. Okay. And remember, uh, the information to, to give is located right around where my picture is. And you can also go to our website, summitchurch.us to find that information. And I trust that the Lord will bless you richly as you give. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, continue with uh, this series that that I've been doing on Sunday mornings titled, Is It God or Is It the Devil? Or I guess the title was, Who Did It, God or the Devil? And uh, and the premise of this is, uh, you know, when when things happen, you know, like the coronavirus here in the United States and, and, you know, other bad things happen or, or, uh, you know, things like that, uh, a tragedy, whatever the case, a hurricane, uh, those sorts of things, you know, a lot of times people ask the question, well, you know, who, who did it? Was it the judgment of God, you know, or, or was it an attack of the devil? And so that's what this series has been about. And, um, and listen, if you, uh, I'm trying to answer that question, you know, and bring some clarity to, you know, when an event happens, you know, uh, you know, was it, was it the judgment of God or did, did, was it an attack of the devil? And uh, it's a good question, it, it, you know, and it needs to be answered, I think. And I've been doing my best to try to help you with that. OK, so if you've missed any of the previous sessions, I welcome you to go back on uh, on our Facebook page or our uh, uh, YouTube page at Summit Church Fenton or SummitChurchFenton.us, our website. You can get those messages there and get caught up. And I it'll, it'll do you good to listen to those. Uh, it'll it'll. What I'm teaching today will be more clear to you if you uh, if you listen to those. Okay, so uh, without too much review, uh, uh, remember our main text is Jeremiah eight seven, and God said that His people do not know the judgment of the Lord. And remember, if you don't know the judgment of God, if you don't know His method of operation in judgment, then you know. God can get blamed for a lot of things that he didn't do, that he wasn't, that he wasn't behind, okay? And so uh, it's important that God's people know uh, what his method of operation is in judgment so that when something happens, when an event occurs, like coronavirus or whatever, you, you, can, you can ask yourself, does that uh, match God's method of operation? And then you can pretty well tell if God sent it or if it was an attack of the devil, or remember, we live in a fallen world, and sometimes things just 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 happen. Okay, and um, and remember, I also referred you to John ten ten, which uh, says, you know, Jesus said, "The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy." And then Jesus said, "I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly." So, if something is stealing, killing, destroying, then then you know, Jesus said that the devil's behind it. And uh, if it brings life, then uh, God's behind it. You also need to realize, though, that um, that uh, you know uh, when 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 God uh, uh, brings judgment, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, it's it's uh, you see His goodness in judgment, 
And uh, even though something's happening that 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 is a tough, you know, is, is tough, uh, he he's doing it out of his love to to ultimately bring life. Okay, and so you need to realize that. And uh, um, and and so anyway, just just to review God's method of operation. Remember God all in 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 judgment. Uh, you know, before he judges, he always gives fair warning. And uh, he always gives ample time to repent. And upon repentance, the judgment stops. And if there is no repentance, then, um, you know, time runs out, then then God will judge. And remember, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 31, and this is, these are great verses, he says, uh, the Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, says, if we judge ourselves, we not be judged. Okay, and, uh, and 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 essentially, what I've been doing is I've been looking at how God judges His people, and we've been covering that for the last several weeks. Now, uh, I believe next week we're going to start looking at how God judges the the world. You know, the sinner. We'll get into that next week. But we've been looking over the last couple of weeks at how God judges His people. And the first thing to remember with that is. Uh, right here in 1 Corinthians 11.31, if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. So that's, that's, that's great news, isn't it? But it goes on to say, when we are judged, you know, as Christians, when God has to judge us, we are chastened by the Lord. And, and I've talked to you all about that and how he does that over the last several weeks. When we're chastened, but, but we are chastened by the Lord. So when we are judged, when God has to judge us, if we're not uh, uh, judging ourselves, if we're not, uh, you know, uh, w- what we're supposed to do when, when we miss it, you know, our heart will convict us and condemn us. And, you know, condemn means, oh, I missed it. I need to repent. And, uh, and we need, we need to, 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 to listen to that. We need, we need to listen to that, and repent, and judge ourselves. And then we not be judged. But if we don't, uh, then as we move further on in something we shouldn't be doing, then God will judge us. And he does that by chastening us, by correcting us. And the, and the reason is so that we not be condemned with the world. I'm convinced that, and I think it's clear that if a Christian continues on in sin and just, you know, uh, you know, month after month and year after year, and sometimes even decade after decade, your heart as a Christian can be, see sin hardens and your, your heart can become hard and harder and harder against the Lord. And it, it can even get to the point in the process of time where your heart will become so hardened that you, a, a Christian might walk away from the Lord and ultimately then be condemned with the world. And so you see the goodness of God in him chastening us uh, in that he he wants us to turn back from sin and repent so that our heart doesn't grow that hard where we'd walk away from him and then be condemned with the world. So when God chastens us, and we brought this out over the last, you know, many weeks that that when when, when he chastens us, it's not, you know, the book of Hebrews says it's not pl- a pleasant process. Nobody likes to be corrected, but uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, uh, despise that chastening, but rather uh, be glad that God loves us enough, you know, because the Bible says whom he loves, he rebukes and chastens and corrects. And that's what chastening is, is correcting, that, that we should be thankful when he's chastening us, that he loves us enough to try to get us back on track. And remember how he, how he, how he chastens or corrects us. Uh, he does it, you know, and he doesn't tie us to the whip and post and just beat the tar out of us. I brought that out to you. He, 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 you know, he'll deal with our heart through his word, through his Holy Spirit. And then again, and this is the one a lot of people, you know, don't, don't know the judgment of the Lord. They don't know how he operates is he uses his ministers, good, godly men and women of God that he's set into pastoral uh, positions or other ministry positions to, to teach messages and, uh, you know, or even call us aside at times privately, you know, not to embarrass us, but to, Hey, to, Hey, to get us back on track and maybe have, you know, you might have a pastor call somebody aside sometime and say, Hey, you know, 
you, you know, the Lord's dealing with my heart. You need to take a look at this area of your life. You know, see, a lot of times people get mad at that. And, and they, you know, it, not even that. People get mad just as I brought out. A lot of times the preacher's just preaching a message. And, 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 and they don't even, they're just teaching a message in the pulpit. And people, you know, the pastor just takes the word, not intentionally trying to do anything, steps on people's toes, and they get mad at the pastor to leave the church. It's, 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 it's just something. And it's because people don't know how God operates in, in judgment and in chastening. And see, the whole time, God has that person's best interest at heart. So anyway, that kind of brings us up to where we're at. Now, we've been looking at several examples of different people in the Bible who God's chastened. Uh, you know, we looked at David in the Old Testament. And, and then uh, last week, I believe we, we looked at the, uh, the, the churches of Revelation and we, we talked about, about how God dealt with several people there. And, uh, but now today, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And this is another uh, step in God's chastening. And actually, this, uh, this happens uh, as, as, you see, as the chastening process uh, uh, moves on down the road, uh, things get more intense. Uh, it, just think about a good parent chastening or correcting, better word probably for chastening is correcting their ch- children. All right. The first Thing that happens when a child uh, messes up and breaks a, a rule or whatever, uh, you know, a, a parent is uh, probably a good parent is going to start out with a verbal warning. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe a second verbal warning. And, and then maybe, uh, you know, beyond that, it might be a, a t- give a child a timeout, um, you know, and then maybe if the child isn't correcting their behavior, then you might, you know, ground them from, you know, from their telephone or, or, or from leaving the house. Well, you wouldn't have to ground them from leaving the house right now with this social distancing. But, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, uh, kids as they're in driving age, they'll be grounded from using their car for a while or whatever. You see how it, it goes from a verbal warning and it, you know, it gets more intense you know, as it, as it goes along. Well, God's the same way. He's the greatest parent of all. And, and, and we're going to look at some things here today that, that steps into some more severe areas of God's chastening. Um, uh, you know, just, so it's just like a parent would, would correct their child. God's correcting us as his children. You know, we're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So, you know, God starts out with, uh, lesser measures, and then is if he sees we're not responding to those lesser measures, then he'll in, in you know intensify the chastening. So here in First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I'm going to read some verses here. Start in verse one. The apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. So this guy here. There's a fellow in the church here in, in Corinth that's cohabitating and having sexual relations, it's clear to me, with, uh, with his stepmom, stepmother. That's, it's, and, and this is so heinous and terrible that the, that the heathens, the, the sinners, the rank sinners weren't, weren't even doing this, this here. And then here there's, you got a guy in the church that's, that's doing this. And then Paul says, and you are puffed up and have, and have not rather mourned. So, Actually, the church wasn't, the pastoral authority wasn't doing anything about it. They were just, they were actually kind of, I get the way I read it, you're puffed up. You're, you know, I mean, and we've got a guy in our church is cohabitating with his stepmom. I mean, you know, you ought to be mourning about that and brokenhearted, as Paul said, you've not rather mourned. I mean, that's got to be dealt with. And, but they were puffed up about it. They're in the church. And that he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. Think about that. That means to be put him out of the church. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. 
Now think about that. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now that is pretty uh, extreme. You can see that the chastening has ramped up here, and that's a pretty severe step that the Lord's taking. Now this this right here is a, is a situation where where and you see this in scripture and we'll look at some other instances of this where God removes his hand of protection from a believer's life and thus as a result of that the devil is able to come in and attack that person and uh, you know you don't ever want to get to a place where God removes his hand hand from you. Uh, you don't ever want to get to a place where God's leaving you alone, okay? Uh, you don't ever want to get to a place where if there's things in your life that shouldn't be there, where the pastor is no longer, you know, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, just, you know, stepping on your toes. You get what I'm saying? You don't ever want to get where God's leaving you alone if there's things in your life that shouldn't be there. Because if that happens, it's likely that this has happened. Uh, this, is a, this, this man, as you can see, was, was in an extreme situation here of sin. And I, you know, let's just look at God's MO here, okay? I don't believe for one second that this was God's first step in dealing with this man. It's clear from God's method of operation that that there's no question, there's no question in my mind at all. This man was truly saved. He was a part of the church, okay? Um, and it's it, it's clear to me from God's mo that he that this man, when he was doing this, he was in his heart was condemning him or convicting him. I believe that the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit was dealing with him and dealing with him and dealing with him. And you see, he 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 overrode his heart. He overrode the Holy Spirit dealing with him. And uh, you know, uh, it is just I'm seeing this. Just you know, the Lord will show you things right when you're teaching. Sometimes, apparently, this man. It says that because Paul's writing to this church and this pastor that they were puffed up. Is it possible that maybe this church had pastoral leadership that wouldn't step on anybody's toes? You don't want to go to a church where they're always going to tell you everything you want to hear all the time. Think about that. But nonetheless, it's clear that this guy, at least to me, that this guy was being dealt with by the Holy Spirit and he wasn't listening. He wasn't going to repent. And so Paul stepped in at the direction of the Holy Spirit and said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, ultimately, let's take a quick look at this. God had, and, and the Apostle Paul, had this man's eternal soul in mind. Now, at first reading, it looks like, oh, God's doing a terrible thing to this guy. You know, but what God's doing here is for this guy's benefit, God is intervening so that this guy here, if he continues on this path, he's going to get to a point where he's going to be condemned with the world. And so God is intervening. To, 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 to save this guy, to protect this guy. So we always have to keep that in mind. That was God's ultimate goal here, to help this guy. Now, what does it mean, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? See, a lot of people think, well, it was just excommunicating him from the church, putting him out of the church, and that's part of it. That's certainly no question in my mind that, that he, was put out, he was put out of the church. But I think there's also a spiritual, spiritual, something spiritually that took place there is that, as I just said a moment ago, God took his hand off of this guy. He was delivered to Satan. And it's no question in my mind that then Satan began to attack this guy, probably with sickness, disease, calamity, something of that sort. And when, 
you know, I've been doing this a long time myself and, you know, pastoring and whatnot. And I've noticed that, you know, when, when, when Christians who have gotten away from the Lord, when sickness starts hitting their body or, you know, whatever calamity hits, they tend to re- repent and get right back to the Lord as quick as they can. And see, that's what this guy, and ultimately that's what happened to this guy. If you read 2 Corinthians, you know, as, as, as he was put out of the church and the hand of God came off of him and he was delivered over to Satan, something happened in his life. It's not clear what it was, but some calamity hit him. I, I'm convinced of that. And, and it, it wasn't, in my opinion, just being put out of the church and the embarrassment of that. But apparently Satan hit him somehow or another. And, uh, and, and as a result, this guy repented and he, uh, uh, he, he, he got back, he got back in and, uh, actually you read into it and study it a little bit. It's clear in second Corinthians, the church now, they, they weren't going to let him back in. And, uh, and Paul had to write to them and say, Hey, you know, this guy suffered enough. All right. He's repented, you know, uh, forgive him and, and let him back in. So you see the chastening process here of the Lord. Now, this is more extreme than just uh, dealing with his heart or, you know, having the pastor step on his toes in a message, you know, or that kind of thing. This is, he, he went to an extreme here and he was delivered over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved. Again, you see the goodness of God in, in, in chasing and in, in, in correction. Even, even, uh, a severe uh, a thing like this. Now, let me just say something real quickly here about turning someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Only someone in spiritual authority, someone that God has placed in spiritual authority, you know, a, 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 a pastor, uh, you know, and, and, and those leaders that are around him, um, you know, this should be something that should be done only, you know, in extreme cases at the direction of the Holy Spirit by good, godly, spiritual authority, okay? And uh, uh, so I just wanted to say that so that, you know, because sometimes, you know, teach on this and then folks that might be listening, and I think, well, you know, so-and-so has done something wrong. Let's just turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And and, uh, and I don't think anybody listening to me now would do that, but... but but, uh, and, and really, uh, you know, I, but I need to say it because sometimes people think, well, you know, so-and-so did something to me. I'm going to just deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. No, no, no. This is something that, you know, it's something going on in, in, in a church. And, and, and frankly, if this went on in the church, it wouldn't just affect this guy, but it could wreck that whole church. See, you have to remember that too. But, but the, the thing I'm trying to say is, is that this would be something that would be that a pastor, his leaders around him would be aware of. They would, uh, 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 you know, come to a consensus that this needs to be done. And this would be something that would be done, I think, after talking to a person privately, and they're still not going to repent. And then you'd have to take uh, perhaps these severe measures. But the point is only to be done by good, godly, spiritual authority of a pastor or, you know, other, you know, minister of the gospel. Uh, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, and uh, again, uh, it's it, it's it's uh, uh, to ha- see God. Like I said, He didn't just have this person in mind, but I'm convinced. You know, the Bible says a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So you leave something like this fester in a church over time, it it can can affect people and ultimately destroy a church. So anyway, God had this guy in mind, His good and the church's good in mind. He took a severe step of uh, a chastening, but it was uh, for this guy's good. And thank God he repented and, uh, and he got back to the Lord. And, uh, and that's, that's a good thing. So it worked out good. Hey, just, just wanted to point something else out to you. Go to first Timothy one nineteen. First Timothy one nineteen. Um, this is another situation where there was Hymenus. Hymenus, I suppose that's how you say that. Hymenus and Alexander uh, were delivered over to Satan by the Apostle Paul. Again, he, the Apostle Paul is pretty high up spiritual leadership. Okay, uh, so it, yeah, 
And but look at this, First Timothy one nineteen, having faith and a good conscience, which which some having rejected. Now think at the point where uh, uh, Hymenus and Alexander were at here. This is talking about them having faith in a good conscience, which which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So you see, there's another time in Scripture where the Apostle Paul, I believe, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, did this. Uh, now, just let me say this: Hymenus was a minister who he was preaching false doctrine and namely that the resurrection had already occurred. Um, he, he, he was concerned that, that this error, Paul was concerned that this error that Hymenus was spreading would go through the entire body of Christ like a cancer and overthrow the faith of some. See, so, see you need to realize when God chastens and, and brings judgment on somebody, uh, it, a lot of time it's not just to help that person, but it can be to help other people too, uh, that 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 person would affect, you see, uh, and that's what was the case here. And uh, now there's two Alexanders mentioned in the New Testament. I'm aware of that. This one was in league with Hymenus, and uh, and again, God's method of operation. I don't believe that God started right here by having Paul turn him over to Satan or the destruction of the flesh. Okay, I believe God dealt with them through those other avenues that we've talked about, but they weren't listening. And they have they, they had gotten to a place. Look at look at verse nineteen again. It talks about a good conscience, having faith in a good conscience. See that tells me that 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 these guys had overridden their hearts. Okay, they'd overridden their hearts. The, the Holy Spirit dealing with them, and now it was time for God to take a more severe action with them. And uh, and, and He did. Now, sad to say, I can't tell you whether or not these guys repented, okay? Again, they were preaching, they were in error, and that error, not only that, see, see they had gotten to a point where, I want to say it again, they'd, they'd got past where they were listening to their conscience, and they were at a point of rejecting, see, they were at a point which, verse 19, which some having rejected, talking about faith here, the faith. They were at they were at extreme points. See, this turning someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that only occurs in ex, you know extreme cases. These were these guys were extreme cases where you know where they had they were extreme points in their life where they hadn't been listening to the Holy Spirit, and they were at a point where they could well be condemned with the world. That's why God's stepping in here that they might learn not to blaspheme. I mean, they were. In dangerous territory, you can see the goodness of God stepping in here uh, to try to help them. Now, did they repent like the guy back in 1 Corinthians 5 that was cohabitating with his stepmom? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, typically, now, the Bible will tell us when people repent. Now, from my study, now, from my study of it, I haven't found anywhere in the Bible where it says that these guys did. Um, I, I, I hope they did. But the point here is, is you see that this is an extreme place of God's chastening, very extreme, where he takes his hand off of someone and allows Satan to come in and uh, attack them. As the Bible says, it's what the Bible says. But the end, God's end purpose is to get the person to repent. Okay. Now, you know, just we could I could show you other other instances of this. Um, you know, King Saul. I'll just kind of summarize here. King Saul, you know, go back in the Old Testament, he he got off in rebellion and stubbornness, and and God no doubt was dealing with his heart. God sent Samuel the prophet to him and all of that. He wasn't responding to any of it. And you can see that uh, if you go to 1 Samuel uh, 16, turn over there if you would, uh, because Saul was dealing with a rebelliousness in his heart, a stubbornness in his heart. And, and, and he, the Bible says 
that he had even in in first Samuel 15 23 that he'd even rejected the word of the Lord I mean look at how 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 uh, cold and hardened his heart had become but you can see if you went and really studied his story how God was dealing with him and didn't want it to be that way with Saul but and he sent Samuel to him and all of that but he had gotten to such a place where notice first Samuel 16 14 but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Now look at that. The spirit of the Lord departed from him. And a distressing spirit. Now the Bible says from the Lord, but if you study into the Hebrew of it, the, the, the original language is God didn't send it. He permitted the evil spirit and, 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 and it troubled Saul. The spirit of the Lord departed from him. Think about that. Now, it's a little different in the Old Testament than in the New. The Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on the prophet, the priest, and the king, and all of that. And the Spirit of the Lord could come on them, and the Spirit of the Lord could depart from them. Now, here in the New Testament, since we're born again, the Spirit of the Lord, he doesn't leave us. Like like that man in 1 Corinthians, the guy didn't lose his salvation, but God just took his hand of protection off. So it's a little bit different in that regard. The Spirit of the Lord would leave him in the Old Testament. Remember when David sinned? He said, he, he, when he was, he, he, he was repenting and he said, Lord, take not thine, thine spirit, take, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Wasn't that the Holy Spirit would leave David and he'd lose his salvation. He didn't want the Spirit of, the God, to, Spirit of God to depart from him. Like he'd seen it depart from Saul. A little different in the Old Testament than in the New. But, but the point is you don't want God leaving you alone. Okay. And here, the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul, and a distressing spirit that was permitted by the Lord came and troubled him. And I'm convinced that God's intent there was to get him to repent. As far as I can tell, he never did. Now, let's go to Judges. Go over to the book of Judges. I'm just trying to show you some examples. I gave you two New Testament examples, but you see this in the Old Testament too. Look at Judges 3, verse 7. So the children of Israel did, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now think of that. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Asherahs. Those were false gods. Think about that. The children of God. So we're looking at how God chastens and deals with his children here for the last couple of sessions, including this one. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals. And the Bible says, verse 8, Judges 3, 8, the anger of the Lord was against Israel, and he sold them or he delivered them into the hand of the king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served that king for eight years. Think about that. God took his hand off of them. Think about that for eight years. And it took them eight years to repent. You know, some people are stubborn. I think about Jonah. He was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights before he repented. I'd like to think I would repent upon Mao's entry into the fish. Some people are stubborn. <laughs> but God's a good God. And, and so, but after eight years, when the verse nine, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. See, God, what's God looking for? He's looking for us to repent. That is his, that's his goal when we, uh, when we miss it, to get us to repent. Look at Judges 13, verse one, you see, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. What does that mean? God took his hand off of them, and the Philistines came in and attacked. And, of course, then that leads us to uh, Samson, one of the most interesting examples of this in, in, the, in the Bible of God taking his hand off. Uh, you know, Samson was a judge of Israel. The man of God, mighty man of God, the man of strength, you know, that, uh, that great supernatural strength. And, you know, his, his hair was a sign of that, his long hair. And I could take an hour and talk to you about uh, Samson. But just to keep it simple and concise here, you know, he had that long hair. He, was, he, he had that, that, that Nazarite call on his life. And 
He wasn't supposed to drink anything of the fruit of the vine or touch a, a, a corpse or, or ever cut his hair, that sort of thing, and, and, and all of that. And if you study into his story, all along in his story, he made light of his calling. He made light of his assignment that God had given him. He he joke about it. He he you know he he ran with prostitutes. He I can show you in scripture. I'll not take the time here, but he wasn't supposed to drink alcohol or you know drink the fruit of the vine, the wine, if you will, and all of that. And and it's clear to me that he did. And uh, in fact, I'm convinced when he when uh, Delilah cut his hair, I'm convinced he was passed out drunk on her on her uh on her lap because if somebody's just asleep and you start cutting their hair they got long hair i wish i had some of that but you know i know if my wife start cutting my hair i'm asleep you know such as it is i'm gonna wake up she started doing that razor at least she's able to cut my hair during this time of social distancing but hair but you know what I'm trying to say. I'm going to wake up. Samson, uh, she finally, Delilah cut his hair and he he didn't wake up. How, how do you explain that? He was passed out drunk. And, and I could show you about the vineyards of Timnah and all of that. He was going places he shouldn't go, doing things he shouldn't do, uh, telling lies. I mean, just all kinds of things. But it's interesting. The Lord stayed with him. The Lord stayed with him all along. The Lord stayed with him. We need to understand God doesn't leave us just because we miss it somewhere. We can go on in extreme things and God stays right with us and he'll stay with you long after a lot of people have walked away from you. You need to remember that. But Samson played with sin too long. And I'm convinced his heart dealt with him, God dealing with him. I'm convinced of that. That's God's MO. But but look at this in, in, in verse, just this is Judges 16, verse 20. And, and he said, uh, Delilah said to him, the Philistines are on you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. And you can read the story to get all of what's going on here. But watch this, one of the saddest, Verses in the Bible. He said, I'm going to go out because this had, you know, she, he, she was trying to get the secret of his strength and he lied to her a few times and, and the Philistines would attack and he'd rise up and go out and defeat him. But this time he told her his heart, told her where the secret of his strength was, and she uh, cut his hair. I think he was passed out drunk, cut his hair. He, Philistines are on you, Samson. He wakes up. He says, I'm going to go out and do what I've been. I'll put this in my own words. I've been playing with sin all these years and it's never caught up with me. It's never cost me. I'm going to just go out like I always have and defeat the Philistines. But watch this saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Not perhaps the saddest, but one of the saddest. He says, I'll go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He had become so so spiritually insensitive and he had that's what sin does it it makes you over time it you become desensitized and hardened if you will and and uh, you know the longer you sin the less it bothers you you ever notice that when you first do something wrong it bothers you but you keep it on in that over time the longer you stay in it the less it bothers you well, thank God for his chastening process. And he says he didn't even know that the Lord had departed from him. That's a terrible place to be. But God finally took his hand off and delivered him over to, over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, Samson's flesh. But we'll see God's intent here in just a moment. Now notice, so, so notice what happens. The Philistines took him, verse 21, put out his eyes. Now that's destruction of the flesh. And brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze fetters. He became a grinder in the prison. However, one of the best verses in the Bible, but think of that. I mean, eyes put out, grinder in the prison, this mighty man of God, his eyes are put out. Devil has his Philistines type of the devil. His eyes are put out, grinder in the prison. You talk about being turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Hand of God came off of him. The spirit of the Lord departed from him. 
Samson didn't even know it. He was so insensitive. He didn't even know God left him. And his eyes are put out, grinding into prison. And all of it, the goodness of God, because if Samson had continued on in that, in that, on that road, his salvation could have been, been at stake, in my opinion, and be condemned with the world. God didn't want that. We, we don't want that for Samson. But notice verse 22, one of the best verses in the Bible. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. That means God's looking for repentance. And upon repentance, good things can happen. Now, if you go down to verse uh, 25, it happened when their harps were merry. The Philistines were having a party now, and they called for Samson to perform for them. Think about that. Samson's performing for the, for the devil. Think about that. Think about that. This mighty man, look what he had been reduced to because of sin. He wouldn't repent. But we see God's chastening process here. And they called for Samson from the prison. He performed for them. They stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said that to the lad that was with him, had him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and so forth. Uh, on the roof watching while Samson performed. Now, what, what did he perform? I don't know. Was he a singer, a dancer? I, I don't know. He, he did something. Maybe he was a singer. I don't know. But he did something that had some ability to entertain. I, I don't know. Then Samson called. Now, watch verse 28. Now, think about it. He'd been delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh, Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me. Uh, I pray just this once, O oh God. Now you see a repentant heart there. Isn't it sad that he had to have his eyes put out and grinding into prison to get to this place? But yet you see the goodness of God in it that he's trying to get Samson to repent so his, etern so his eternal soul will be saved. And he cries out to the Lord, remember me, strengthen me, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Which, you know, which had been put out. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on the right, the other on the left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell. And the lords uh, of the Philistines who were in it, they all were, were killed. So the dead that he killed in his death were more than he killed in his life. And much we could say about that. But the point is he repented. His hair began to grow again, which was a symbol of the strength. And But more than the hair growing, you see the repentant heart. And here's, watch this, the Spirit of God had to come back on him because it was the Spirit of the Lord. And you can read that if you read his whole story. You see this, it was the Spirit of the Lord that gave him the strength. It wasn't just his hair. That hair was just a symbol. It needed to be there. But it was the Spirit of the Lord that gave him the strength. And you see his Repentant heart, yes, his hair began to grow again after it had been shaven. You see his repentant heart, and then you see the Spirit of God coming back on him. Glory to God. And because you see him pulling, pushing those pillars over, it took superhuman strength to do that. It was the Spirit of God came back on him. Isn't God good? I mean, some unsavory things happen here. Think about having your eyes plucked out. Wages of sin is death. It'll, sin will cause death in your life. I mean, Samson went, went to a low here. But you see, God didn't leave him alone, ultimately. Now, he left him alone in that he took his hand off of him. So let me correct that. He got to a place where God did leave him alone, and God took his hand off of him. So he did get to that place. But what I'm trying to get across to you is you see God's ultimate goodness and God left him alone, left him to, to himself. His hand came off, spirit came off of him. Holy Spirit lifted from him. Samson didn't even know it. All these terrible things happened. But ultimately, he repented, he repented, and the spirit of God came back on him. Now, let me say this. He got back to God, but he didn't get his eyes back. That's what I was trying to say a moment ago about the wages of sin is death. I mean, you know, 
It cost Samson. And, 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 and he died here. Now, I know he died. He killed the Philistines more in his death than in his life and all of that. Much to be said about that. But wouldn't it have been better if he, he hadn't a sin and got off into sin and could have done that some other way? It wouldn't have had to be this way. I mean, he killed Philistines all in their type of the devil. You know, he'd done that all his life, basically. Could have ended different. I'm convinced it could have ended different. It didn't have to end like this. Now, he got back to God. That's the good news. And his spirit was saved. All right. That his spirit. Remember, that guy in First Corinthians delivers such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So Samson's spirit was saved. All right. But it didn't have to end this way. But you see the goodness of God stepping in in an extreme way, removing his hand. All these things happen to him, but all to the end intent of getting him back on track with the Lord. Now, I was going to cover Ananias and Sapphira today. Uh, but right at the last minute, I felt like I needed to cover these other things first and, and put them here at the end. So, um, but my time slipped away from me. So, um, uh, I, I tell you what, you don't have anything else to do and neither do I. So let's just go <laughs> Acts 5 verse 1. And let's talk about an extreme case. I, I've got about 10 minutes. I can do this in 10 minutes. So let's, even virtually, guys, I'm talking about the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. But hey, go to Acts 5, verse 1. A certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a possession. This is Acts 1. Kept back a part of the proceeds, his wife being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. See, I believe that that Peter had a, now we're talking about the chastening of the Lord. We just talked about God lifting his hand here of, of protection. But now we're going to look at, at something where God actually judges two people, Ananias and his wife Sapphira in the New, the New Testament church there, in the New Testament church there in Jerusalem. And he actually judges them. All right. It, it, he, he judges them. And, uh, and, and they sold a piece of land and they made a big show that they were going to give all of it to the church. But they privately conspired and kept they, 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 they were hypocritical and they, they told everybody they were giving it all. They were under no pressure to give any of it. But they were hypocritical and they said they were going to give it all. But they privately conspired that they were only going to give part of it really and keep the other for themselves. Okay. And notice here, Peter said in verse three to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. I believe Peter had a word of knowledge. He knew this supernaturally. The Holy Spirit uh, gave this, I believe, to Peter, and he knew supernaturally that Ananias and Sapphira was doing this thing. And he said, look at verse four, while it remained, was it not your own? And after you sold it, was it not your own control? See, there was no pressure on Ananias and Sapphira to give any of it. They could have just said, well, we're going to give part of it or half of it or a third of it. There's, but they said, we're, we're going to give it all. But they were, see, they're trying to put, put on a show, if you will. And, and he says, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? And he said, you've not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, now watch this, fell down and breathed his last. He fell dead in church. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Didn't have cell phones and all social media then, so he didn't know what happened. Peter said, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She, she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? What does that show me? That shows me that apparently God was dealing with these people. Ananias and Sapphira. Long before they ever came into this church service or this, this time of meeting. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They'll carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last. She fell dead too. 
Young men came in, found her dead, carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came out. Notice, great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Wow. Husband and wife fell dead in church. Think about that. Falling down dead is not uh, God's first step in judging people. And I hope that that's one thing you got out of this, talking about God's MO. He doesn't start out by striking people like this and then falling down dead in church. Um, that's just not his method of operation. Operation. I'm convinced that he dealt with these people and dealt with them and dealt with them and dealt with them right in. The, they knew. They, I'm convinced they knew they were born again people. I'm convinced they were. Some people say they weren't, but I, they they were they were a part of this church. And if you study into it, you couldn't you couldn't just join this church without this particular church. You couldn't get in there without being truly born again. You couldn't you couldn't you couldn't get you couldn't just out a card and become a member of this church. You read back up a little bit before this chapter, and you'll see that the Lord added to this church. I believe daily, the Bible says, such as we're being saved. And then there's another verse that talks about the, 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 the numbering of these people, that they, they were numbered as believers. It doesn't call Ananias and Sapphira by, by name, but what I'm trying to tell you is you couldn't just go to this church and just say, oh, well, you know, I, I think I like I think I I think I like the music, or I think I like you know I think I like whatever. I mean, you didn't become a member of this church without truly having a being born again. Okay, so I'm convinced these were saved people, and uh, and and I'm also further convinced these weren't baby Christians, Ananias and Sapphira. I'm convinced that they were. Uh, that they had some time to mature in some things. And I'm further convinced that God had dealt with them long before this situation here. And if you notice, they were given time to repent right up to the last moment. If Ananias would have said, and Sapphira, both of them, they said, yep, yep. You know, we, 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 you know what? We missed it. We were conspiring to lie. We 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 repent, right? Here, sorry, Lord, we please forgive us. That would have been the end of it. They'd have been forgiven. They wouldn't have fallen dead. I'm <laughs> no question about that. But they didn't repent. And they fell dead. Now, this is this is extreme here, most extreme. God's judgment. He judged them. A lot of people don't want to talk about, about this, but God judged them. Okay. Uh, now you say, well, why, why did he judge him? Well, could it be that because people want to know, did they go to heaven or did they go to hell? Well, they, I, my opinion, they were Christians. Could it be that if they had continued on this path longer down the road, that their hearts would have gotten so hardened that they would have ultimately rejected the Lord and been condemned with the world. Maybe that would have happened. You see the goodness of God here dealing with, with them so that they don't get to that point. Could that be? Could be. Could it be that if this wasn't dealt with, it could have ruined this church or, or, or hurt this church in some way and that hypocrisy spread all throughout and 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 uh, and and the church and hurt the church and God had to deal with them not just for their sakes but the sake of the church. That's very possible. So you need to think about that. It wasn't probably just Ananias and Sapphira that God was dealing looking at, but the whole church. You know, so yeah, their hearts could have gotten so hardened as they moved on down the road that they might have walked away from the Lord. And been condemned with the world, but it hurt the could have hurt the church with hypocrisy and and all of that really weakened that church. Such a vital church, first church after the resurrection of the Lord. You know that that had to go. That church had to go. And in fact, you know, sitting here thinking about it, that church needed to go. You know, and, and, and because because would you and I have heard the gospel without that church? Could that have 
affect, maybe Ananias and Sapphira being dealt with in that severe manner could have affected you and I. Now, I've never thought about that. That's just in my heart here as I'm sitting here talking to you. That church had to go. And if it would have got corrupted in some way, think about that. Now, were they saved or not? People argue, you know, uh, what do I mean were they saved? I believe they were Christians. I personally believe they went to heaven. Um, some people would argue with me on that and say, you know, uh, you know, they died lying to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a dangerous place to die. But they didn't commit the unpardonable sin of rejecting Jesus. So I, I think that they were uh, born again people. I think that they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. I think that they had gotten to a point where uh, uh, they had to be dealt with for their sakes and for the sakes of that church and probably ultimately maybe for our sakes. Never thought about that before. I believe the Holy Spirit just possibly gave that to me. Think about that. That church had to go and make it, you know. We see the goodness of God, don't we? And, uh, you know, I'll close with this. I have this in my notes. I'll close with this. Something about Ananias and Sapphira, though, isn't it? You know, it's something. I hope, I, I hope I've helped you a little bit with, with, with them. God judged them. Enough said on that. Let's close by saying this. I have this in my notes. You know, we see an instance where someone fell dead in the Old Testament. With Uzzah, you remember the Ark of the Covenant? Remember the Ark of the Covenant? And uh, it had fallen into the hands of the Philistines. And uh, David wanted, King David wanted that Ark back. And I won't go through the whole story, but it's interesting that when they finally went to get the Ark, uh, they sat it on a cart being pulled by oxen, I believe it was. And it's interesting, and I want to you know, talk about falling down dead. It's interesting that when the Philistines had the ark, just keeping this simple here as I close, that when the Philistines had the ark, I just want to point this one thing out. They were able to touch the ark. They were able, from my study of it, they were able to put the ark on a, on a cart, have it all you know, pulled by oxen or whatever. And they didn't fall down dead. Now, a lot of, they had a lot of trouble when that ark was with them. The Philistines did. But the point here is they were able to touch the ark and, transport it and they didn't fall down dead but it's interesting that once david sent you know for the ark and and this man named uzzah uh you know they put they put the ark they put uzzah and, and this other fellow ohio ohio i guess it was they put the ark on a on that same cart that the philistines used and remember as it was going along see that ark wasn't supposed to be ever be put on a cart it had to be transported in a, that, that was the presence of God. That ark was symbolic of the presence of God. That ark had to be handled delicately just in prescription with the Bible. You know, the way God gave it to Moses, it had to be handled and carried a certain way. And uh, Philistines weren't trained in that. They didn't carry it the prescribed way. They didn't fall down dead. But Uzzah, you study in his life, this man named Uzzah, Remember when the ark was going along there with the, the on the cart, and uh, it the ox hit uh, hit a bump of the road or something, and the ark kind of kind of became unsteady, and Uzzah reached out to steady it, and he fell down dead right there on the spot. And David was upset with it and all that, didn't understand why did that happen. And well, you study into it, Uzzah was trained. He was trained in how that ark was supposed to be handled. And he mishandled it. He was trained in it. I'm getting to something here. He was trained in it. And he fell down dead. And probably in the Old Testament, went to Abraham's bosom and is with the Lord today. I mean, he was a believer as far as I can tell. But he mishandled the ark. He mishandled the presence of God, knowing better. See, knowing better. Look, God is a good God. And what I'm trying to get at here is when people don't know better, 
God doesn't expect certain things out of those people like the Philistines. They could do things and get away with things that Uzzah, who was trained in the, in the matter, couldn't. I'm trying to show you the goodness of God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, God's not going to hold people responsible, you know, for like the Philistines for something they didn't know. But Uzzah was trained in it. And so you see that God is a good God. And so I could go on and on here. It's time to stop. I hope you've been blessed with this today. Now I'm probably going to go at least one, maybe two more sessions with uh, with this subject. Because I want to I take a couple of sessions starting next week and look at how God uh, deals with the sinner. We've been looking at how he judges his people. And now next week, I want to take a session or two to show you how God uh, judges what we'd call the world, the sinner. Okay, so we'll pick up here next week. Hey, I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday as we continue our study on the end times. Hey, God bless y'all. I love you. And uh, I'm not going to say I went too long, but uh, I said it anyway. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye. I'm trying to figure out how to turn this thing off.